Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Literally Gaysians. Welcome to Literally Gaysians, a podcast where two gay Asian guys, aka Gaysians, 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 get real about their feelings and literally Gaysian stuff. I'm your host, Bao Nguyen. And I'm your co-host, Chris Young. We have another special guest today. But before we get into that, it's time for our Be Real. So it's time for you to be real, Val. How are you doing? I am doing great. I saw my friends with benefits yesterday. <laughs> um, and it's just always really hot. And I think he just we had just have good chemistry. And we have sex like r- rapidly horny gay men, but also like... <laughs> emotionally in touch lesbians and i realized like i kind of have a new kink like i've seen it on like an OnlyFans video before where like you know you don't love the person but you say it in bed mm-hmm, and it's like mm-hmm. my my new kink is such a lesbian kink is to say like i love you or i love you baby in bed and you know it's not that deep and I so i just thought it was fun oh you, you know you know what i'm talking about no but i i want it from back in the day when people said oh you dirty little slut yeah yeah and it's like i love you yeah well, I like both. And, um, you know, I'm not trying to catch feelings, but I think my toxic trait is probably like confusing chemistry with like a deeper connection because I am a little curious if there's anything past the chemistry, but don't want to ruin a good thing. And so I don't know. I don't know. What should I do? Is I felt like, should I text him? Like, I don't want to ruin a good thing, but we can hang out outside just, too. But. Just don't text him. I love you. Just keep it 
in the bedroom. <laughs> we'll keep the I love you babies in the bedroom. <laughs> or like, hey, you said this thing. Did it mean anything? Am I reading too yeah. much into it? Or maybe that's like your safe your safe word is I love you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was really? I'm like, yes. Yes, just say I love you if it's too much. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, how you doing? How you doing, Chris? You know, it's coming up on the holidays. It's funny that you say like uh, you were talking about your 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 friends with benefits. Usually during the holidays, I used to be very popular. It'd be like Thanksgiving night, and I'm hooking up with people. Christmas night, but it's different now. When it comes around the holidays, I get all this body dysmorphia around like all this mm. food. So that's what I'm thinking about. Like, oh, I'm 43, and you know, I don't, I'm not a twink anymore, but I still overeat and binge eat during the holidays. How am I going to try to get my like holiday sex after like, you know, those two turkey legs? So yeah, that's where I'm kind of at. Just feeling through this uh, new birthday body dysmorphia. I use a joke actually that I had to have body dysmorphia generally like as a gay man, but then I heard um, a cis woman talk about it on a podcast and I realized actually do have it like as in some days you wake up and it's just like you look in the mirror and you just look like shrek or something <laughs> or you look at a certain picture and you're just like a certain angle of you you're like i am just the ugliest person in the world and then when it's not there you look back at the picture you look fine and yeah. i was like that totally describes how kind of like some days i wake up i look in the mirror i'm like what the hell and some other days i'm like i'm feeling myself is that where the um feeling cute might delete later comes from that just people you just it's all relative some oh. days you feel it Sometimes you don't. Yeah, my friend just told me, like, oh, yeah, you know who thinks you look good? You 10 years from now. <laughs> when you look back, like, oh, damn. Yeah, yeah. I, stopped, I stopped following, like, that many Insta trap or, like, thirst traps on Instagram. And I try to keep it to, like, the, like just few or, like, uh, five or something. But I yeah. realized my body dysmorphia gets triggered when I see an old picture of myself or a certain picture of myself or certain pictures of myself. So it's comparing myself to my old, my younger self, which is the toxic trait. It's like faux hawk bow. And and since Kevin has already been talking, let's. I just want to introduce him formally, though. Uh, please welcome the handsome, the tatted up, the emotionally intelligent Kevin Kwan. Yay. Welcome, Kevin. Welcome, Kevin. Yeah. Thank you. So happy to be here. Yes, and we've been friends for quite a long time, and we can get into all that, but um, we like to start off by asking you how you're feeling today. How am I feeling? Um, and I, I feel pretty well. Yeah, I just got, you know, when you go to work and then generally, well, at least for me, I don't see a, I don't see a, a straight person until like Monday again. It's like my whole life outside of work is just like, like baby boy engagements. You know, we just kind of like tuck them away and then we get to live as ourselves. I did the complete opposite this past weekend where um, I hung out with like three straight old coworkers. Yeah, it was relatively wholesome and we literally, literally went to the beach and collected seashells. I'm like, damn. You kept most of your clothes on during the weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, wow, Kevin takes his shirt off a lot. I'm like, yeah, I'll I'll let my friends do that, I guess. We're just really comfortable. (laughs) Did you do Um, it on this trip? Yeah. Um, I think it's fun to 
hang out with one another because then we come we become like anthropologists of each other <laughs> i'm like oh what's what are straight people up to these days and they're like wow what do we share yeah so i felt like you know mix up the energy um but i i feel nice and this week off too um so rejuvenated is how I feel. Well, good. I have such few straight guy friends. I think my straight guy friends are my girlfriend's husbands. I, I see what you mean. Sometimes I spend all day hanging out with like my straight friends and they have babies. I'm like, we're just going to sit here, not drink anything and watch these babies be, do funny things. And then at some point I'm like, okay, I've reached my limit. I can't read another bedtime story. I suck at reading. <laughs> <laughs> and then immediately I'm like, who's going out tonight? <laughs> Who yeah. my gay friends is going out Let's rage a little bit. Yeah, I dropped my last um, straight friend because he flew up from LA. So I dropped him off to, to the airport in SFO and then like mm-hmm. went on my way literally to um, like a, like an R&B house dance like show and then to, to Bo and then to like my friend's place. And I was like, oh, I need to, man, that was, that was a lot of heterosexuality for like, a really <laughs> long time. Yeah. There's too many seashells. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad you had a good weekend and you're back in the gay bubble again. And what we'd like our listeners um, to do now is get to know you a little better. So why don't you tell us about yourself and kind of where it all started and what, what makes you you today? Oh, man. What do, that's so, what do I focus on? I grew up in the Bay Area in the Deep East Bay. I'm a mixture of generations. My mom is kind of fourth gen. My dad's one and a half. Came here from Hong Kong went to like a really white 90, 85, 90% white high school, knew I was gay from a young age, um, and really felt part of that identity. But I think didn't feel connected to being engaged until uh, I went to UCI for college. And I felt like, wow, now I'm exposed to this whole community that I never um, could participate in and kind of never looked back. When was that specific moment that you realized like, oh, I'm Gaijin? Like, which specific moment? Gaijin? I remember this like super toxic part of me. Uh, and I remember this transition when I was applying to schools uh, as a teenager. And I remember thinking like, oh, I, don't, I don't know if I want to go to UCI. I don't know if I would fit in with all the Asians and I thought mm-hmm. things about Asian Americans and connected that with myself or felt somehow like different or like white aligning or something like that. And then um, when I went to school, when I went to UCI, I just felt a part of this cultural connection that I never felt a part of before. And I don't exactly know the moment that those two things merged. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. when my gay identity immersed my Asian identity, but Everybody was talking about intersectionality. <laughs> so that was such a common conversation. Um, trying to, I think I realized when I was engaged in, when um, part of that common thread was trying to find ourselves in media and being invisible. And so a Gaijin trait, you know, especially then was this feeling of underrepresentation. Um, and I think, yeah, I saw that 
Yeah. Did you feel it more strongly because of this, just where you were raised and the kind of people that were around you when you were growing up? Yeah. Um, man, I have such distinct memories of just overt racism. Remember being 14 in a parking lot, my brother and our friends and this like old white dude just like screams at us, calls us chinks or like my neighborhood white kid rides his bike across us and yells white power. Um, and these things felt just really fucked up and normalized. And I didn't really have a lot of people to talk to about it, you know, Mm -hmm. um, or to have that shared understanding. I I had one other Asian friend in, in high school. Um, Mm -hmm. but many more, many more in college. Yeah. 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 Is that that when you came out in, in high school? I came out to my, you know, it comes in waves. So I came out to myself Mm -hmm. when I was nine. I remember, Mm -hmm being like in fourth or fifth grade. And, uh, I think I was at like a camp and I saw the, my classmate, this boy that like, I thought was cute. And I remember thinking like, huh, I feel like that means I'm gay or I like boys. Like, I don't have an issue with that. I know other people are going to have an issue with that. I feel like I should start this conversation sooner with the people in my life so that I have time to adjust. My friends have time to adjust my family. Um, wow, you are you... so well adjusted at such a early yeah. age. I don't know. It was weird. It was like unusually well adjusted. And I think <laughs> I think it's because my parents gave me a lot of signals. She got that fourth gen energy. My dad had a gay cousin growing up, and I remember going to his place in SF and he had like a rainbow flag in the entrance, like a tiny one. I had a gay principal in high uh, in fifth grade. I remember this conversation I had with my dad where I was like, I think. I think Mr. Harrington's gay. And my dad is like, he's still a good man. He was like defending him to me <laughs> against me. He thought I was like um, insulting him in some way. And my mom, having been born in San Francisco, said she was, when she was seven, her cousins dragged her to like a gay pride parade. So I, I came out quite young to my brother when I was 13 and my, my mom and dad when I was 15. And they were super affirming. Um, and, and, and really, really good about it. I was so impressed. All right. So you came out to yourself, so well-adjusted at nine, came out as a Gaijin in college. And then when did you move to SF and when did we all meet? It was like, it was probably within the first month of living in SF that I think I met all of you. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Because I hit on my ex at, at the lookout. Mm-hmm. During one of our <laughs> yeah. drag shows. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and more importantly, what did you think of us? What were your first impressions? Oh, man, I don't know. It wasn't very memorable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like hyper-focused on like hitting on this one guy. And so I, I think like, yeah, I didn't pay much attention to the show. I'm sorry. <laughs> How'd you hit on him? Oh, um... I was with my sister-in-law's sister, and I um, saw some guys on the balcony, um, and I turned to my sister-in-law and I was like, oh, I'm going to make friends with them. And so I walked up to um, one of my best friends now, Bryant, and I was like, hey, do you have a, do you have a cigarette? Um, and he said, no, um, I don't, but my friend Jerome might. And I was like, oh, yeah, he's, he's really handsome. And Bryant was like, 
oh, do you want me to tell him for you? And he said, no, I'll just, I'll go ask him myself. I'll just tell him myself, you know? So, so I went up bold. to him. Okay. So much game. Kevin has so much game. Yeah. <laughs> I just use the same. I've used the same line for the past decade. <laughs> what is your name? Uh, it's hi. My name. My name is Kevin. Um, I think you're really handsome. So sure. I'm gonna write that down. Hi. My name is insert name. I think you're <laughs> handsome. Yeah, and you can also use Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. My name is Kevin. Kevin yeah. <laughs> and I think you're so handsome. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um, and then, so again, so we've been friends for a long time now. Um, yeah. But to shift gears really quickly, because I think you have an amazing story to tell around this topic. Like earlier this year, I think it was after Pride, mm-hmm. in a group chat that we we're all a part of, we got this message from you that you are starting to feel a lot of rashes on your skin. You think it might be monkeypox, and then you get it diagnosed, it's babies. And that was just the very beginning of a very long journey for yeah. you with monkeypox. Tell us, tell us what happened. Oh, man. This is the first time in a, in a while where I've recounted the experience. So I've had some separation now. And the things that stuck out to me um, were just like, I, can, I feel like I can laugh at a lot of things now that I couldn't before. Um, mm-hmm. but it was just really scary. I think overall, I felt really confused as to what was happening, really stressed out about how to care for myself and, and what to make of everything, what resources to tap into, because a lot of doctor's office were just offices were closed down. And so I had to, you know, I was misdiagnosed multiple times. Um, I couldn't go in person sometimes I was like on constant calls with um like like just digital calls basically with uh, my provider um mm-hmm. and at the same time had just started a new job and so had to communicate to work to my family to my friends like something serious is happening i don't know what it is 
does anyone have a doctor friend that I could speak with that could give me more advice? And I was just trying to figure out how, how to figure out what was going wrong. What was going wrong. Yeah. And so what was happening to your body in those weeks? In the very beginning, you know, it was just like a, a slight facial rash that progressed very quickly. And it was unlike anything I'd experienced before. Um, and uh, that quickly spread to my my hands, my feet. And sometimes there was extremely itchy and other times painful. Um, and I remember every time I would wake up, it would get worse. So I was almost just afraid to even fall asleep because I would mm-hmm. wake up and then look at my hands and see it had spread. Um, and it was just insanely surreal. I couldn't tell if it was this like nightmare that I was trapped in, if I was still dreaming, because every time I looked at myself, I just couldn't even recognize, um, frankly, my face or my own life for that matter. Yeah. Yeah. And that just sounds incredibly scary. I know it was a really rough time for you then just not having answers. But what, what was the moment where you finally felt a little relief? It was my second emergency room visit when I went to UCSF and the doctors were finally, um, they finally said, this is 100% what we think it is. Um, your symptoms advance in a way that is more recognizable because of the locations on your body, these lesions where they are on your body is more common um, mm-hmm. of what we understand monkeypox to look like. Um, and also that we have one dose of this experimental treatment that we can give to you because we had two and one was spoken for. We administered it tonight mm-hmm. or we will administer it. I think there was something like, like four or five of them in the Bay area. Like Kaiser had two, UCSF had two. They said like, cause I, I, I went in at 3am. They're going to switch doctors the person who can approve it for you is asleep right now. And so you got to wait until at least like 9 a.m. <laughs> so that hopefully we'll get the email. Yeah. So you just sit there until 9 a.m.? Yeah. Well, they said I could go home or come back. But at that point, it was just, it was too painful to move. I'm like, I'm already here. Um, my partner had dropped me off and was stayed with our friend Adam in the city um, and waiting for the call. So I, I was just in the, in the emergency room for probably like six or seven hours during that time. Um, and even then when I woke up um, and was waiting for the infectious disease director to come in, um, I think it was the, the just director of the ER. I get a call on my phone that said, wow, saw the pictures. You look awful. <laughs> <laughs> you look terrible. I can't believe what's happening to you. But um, we got to double check because you're coming from Emeryville and uh, you might not qualify for this treatment because it might be only for patients from San Francisco. <laughs> and I was like, oh my How God, shitty right? is that? We're going to like die right here. Mm-hmm. Um, Which, for those who don't know, that's only like 15 miles away. Yeah. Literally the first city across the bridge. And um, so that person had to check with the doctor who gave it to me. And I didn't even get another call at this point. I was just waiting outside. And 
Um, maybe in like 20, 30 minutes, uh, Dr. Peter Chin Hong just strolled up and, you know, gave me the, the tea pox right there, explained it to me, um, and was so warm and caring and knowledgeable. Um, and I think all of that made me feel much safer. It just felt like the first answer that I had had and what felt like, oh, you know, weeks, but it was really only a couple days. Yeah. yeah. Dr. Peter Chin Hong, it's the infectious disease director of yeah, UCSF. And um, he had been on the forefront of, of monkeypox. Yeah. Yeah. And he's also a Gaijin, right? Also a Gaijin, yes. Yes. And COVID, yes. Yeah. And a big name during, during COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Because I came across this name um, in a lot of the interviews you gave. So then suddenly... Um, that picture you you were talking about that that Peter Chin Hong saw we all saw because I remember you posted mm-hmm. it to your Instagram wow. you shared it with us um, and suddenly that picture and you were everywhere I saw you on CNN John Oliver Business yeah. Insider the Wall Street Journal um, how'd that all come about Gosh it's it's a blur it started with a, a local podcast in LA um, and then that got picked up by NPR. Um, and then I got, well, you know, backtracking when I was talking to Dr. Peter Chin Hong outside of UCSF, as he was giving me the medicine, he said, you might have some reporters come to you. There might be an opportunity to discuss like what's been going on. If you want to address and speak to the community. And, um, that was like me at peak symptoms. I couldn't even think of that. And I didn't mm-hmm. know exactly what he meant because I didn't realize the gravity of my situation or the novelty like of it, the earliness of my symptoms within the broad scheme of like monkeypox in general. Oh, because it was at like, I, what I think I read somewhere 5% of, of like the worst cases. Yeah, yeah. It was wow. really bad and it was really... Wow really early, like when I went to the ER first in Oakland, um, I was the first case that they had seen. And so even when I went to UCSF, <laughs> I felt like um, a little bit of a lab rat because I could see like <laughs> nurses peeking in into my room. They're like, everybody was, even the doctor when I first went there said, you don't know this right now, but you are like the most, um, you're one of the most like popular patients tonight. You're the most discussed. <laughs> like we've just heard all these notes about you. Everybody wants to know what's going on. And so, um, yeah, it was kind of funny in that it's way. Not the kind of notoriety you want to have. No. Yeah. Not the kind I want it at all. <laughs> Kevin's yeah. popular at the party and the hospital. He's popular <laughs> yeah. So, so um, then these, these reporters started calling you. What gave you yeah. that forward momentum to really like step out, step into this spotlight and the courage to tell your story on in such a big pop, big scale? I mean, when I was feeling everything, holy shit, why can't I find any information? Why don't providers feel equipped to give me treatment? Why don't they have information or understand what's happening with my symptoms? Why am I reading all these news articles about vaccines stored up and stockpiled but not administered? And there is a potential treatment that can be used, but it's not given. And just like everyone was frustrated. I was incredibly frustrated um, and scared and terrified. And as I was sort of sharing with friends on social media, 
Um, people were messaging me also confused and afraid and looking to me as a primary source of information, which felt insane because I, I just had, you know, I was learning um, mm -hmm. about myself and learning about what I was dealing with. Um, so anyway, because of all of that, I just felt like this is too dangerous to keep to mm -hmm. myself. This is like holding this in and not sharing this story would actually be a huge disservice and probably like a disaster for the community. I feel like people need to know about this. Um, hopefully that steamrolls into something where it pushes our government to approve treatments to administer and, and spread vaccinations. Like we need that right now. And so I kind of, um, you know, in a lot of these interviews tag teamed with Dr. Peter Chin Hong. So whenever a reporter comes to me, I would say like, I can give you my personal perspective. Um, I know that if the, the doctor that I worked with could give a, a scientific perspective and I, you know, I had done no like PR media training or anything like that. Yeah. So, um, at the same time, I was freaked out about saying the wrong things, um, saying scientifically inaccurate things, um, mm -hmm. saying things that would be taken out of context or whatever. It felt much better to speak rather than to be completely silent because that felt overall more harmful. Yeah, and we're completely thankful for that because I remember you were giving us like updates as you went along on the group chat and that just made me take it a lot more seriously um yeah. i mean i did i was like celibate for a couple of weeks um as we waited for the vaccine and so just seeing firsthand just the impact you had on me i just want to say thank you and i think oh, every time i talk yeah. about like when my friend got it they're like is it that guy from the east bay i was like yes kevin kwong like studio kwong kevin kwong the one that just got engaged i'm like yes that one too <laughs> I was in line for the the first line in San Francisco for the monkeypox vaccine. It was a three hour line, and yeah. uh, behind us, we heard people talking about. Did you see that gay Asian guy? And we're like, oh my god, they're talking about our friend Kevin Kwan in the news because <laughs> that's how early it all was. Nobody knew anything, and yeah. it was like really amazing to know that you were. Um, getting it out there but then after it was all out there you're all on the news what what was that like how did it feel to have all of your business in every paper uh the television every newscast yeah um i think there are some stories that came out um that felt really gratifying i felt like they represented my experience accurately and um you know not all reporters are made equally like some are specific there is specifically they they cover like medical stories or scientific stories and so they were just much more well researched um and there were other reporters that kind of took a shallower version of my experience or mm -hmm. um didn't you know the conversations were very different um but i think all in all it felt like i was doing something uh, that only I could do, you know, or very few people could do. Um, and it felt like something that I was just compelled to share. Um, I, oh my gosh. So like coincidentally, I think 
I, I got monkeypox probably three or four weeks right after I started this new job. Um, mm-hmm. And I was having a, as I was going back to work, I was having a one-on-one with my manager. And because um, I had to share like why I had to take all this time off suddenly right after starting. Um, and I, anyway, like someone from HR um, had said to my manager, like, oh, is this, is this our Kevin? Like the Kevin we just hired? <laughs> she was like, yeah. And then also my, um, the VP in my org, uh, you know, messaged me and said, oh, I just been reading all the news. <laughs> like, I'm so sorry with everything that's going on. I'm like, oh my God. I didn't one feel really fortunate to have supportive coworkers but really naked in that everyone knows I'm a disease slut. Like, <laughs> I'm like, holy shit. But I guess there's nothing I can do about it right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, it sounds like you got a, a positive reaction from your, yeah. from your coworkers and your friends. Yeah. But what were some other reactions like? Yeah. Um, so there's been a couple times when oh my god i think it was like wall street journal used me as an ad so that was like popping up yes. everywhere like my, it's still on there it's yeah, still on my face it's my wrecked <laughs> ass clickbait face you know <laughs> then, um there were uh one of my friends who also happens to be a doctor said like oh i think you're so brave you know i was like reading the comments um of one of these articles or ads and i just admitted to him that i just i never read any sort of commentary or anything. I literally just didn't have time um, or I didn't have the energy and also didn't care. Um, but I would get tons, tons of messages from strangers that were like, thank you so much. Um, I'm so supportive of you. Like, love you for doing this. Um, as well as, yeah, workers. Um, friends, people that I really cared about. Um, and I, that was most of what I just paid attention to and chose to felt or feel, um, Mm -hmm. because definitely got some hate, but I, I just don't hold everyone's opinion equally. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. people that I respect and love and care about the people that I admire have so much more volume and what they say to me and I absorb so much more than some meaningless comment that is only in, intended for harm or is like rooted in ignorance is like rooted in complete lack of truth, whatever, you know, or is there objective truth? I don't know. They didn't feel important, you know, and they were never important. And now that you've had the space of a couple of months, what do you hope people can learn from, from your experience? Everyone has a di- different baseline of, I guess, uh, uh, confidence and support. But one thing I hope people can learn is that you can speak up about things, given you're in a safe community. You can share things about yourself um, and still be okay and still help people. And if you're in a position to make the community around you or the world around you safer by sharing yourself as an example, then do it. You know, (laughs) like it it takes, it takes all of us um, coordinated with one another, supporting one another. 
that make this world feel safer. I mean, especially, especially right now. Yeah. We just had, oh, yeah, we just had the shooting in Colorado Springs. Oh, yeah. Trans Day of Remembrance, right? Yeah. And so we're all processing feeling that we're not given the luxury as a, a queer community to decide if we should respond to something or not. We're always in a state. We have to respond in some way, whether that be silence or, or vocalizing, you know, vocalizing what we feel. And so I hope we can still feel empowered to express ourselves. And physically, mentally, how are you feeling now? Great. <laughs> yeah, it was, no, I mean, it was, it was literally, it was just so insane. I think at the time um, that I got monkeypox, I was feeling so strong. I was like on month six or seven of CrossFit. Um, I was eating well. I was working you got the pride out. body. Yeah, yeah. You had that pride body ready. You that pride body. New York pride. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was like, oh my God, 30,000 steps a day. <laughs> and I went literally from um, doing that, right? 30,000 steps and dancing all day and shopping and hanging out with friends to not being able to walk. Like, mm. not, not being able to like even stand in the shower because it was so painful. And so that contrast was really crazy. And there was a moment after monkeypox where I just felt so fragile, um, both physically and mentally. Like I didn't know that my body could tank like that. And my mindset could just, that could happen to me so quickly um, because I'd never experienced anything like that before. Um, and I think at this point, built it all back up. Um, and it really forced me, it really forced me to just um, think about what health meant to me, mental health and physical health. And so um started with a therapist a couple weeks ago, um, finding a rhythm with working out where I'm just not breaking down my body where I'm working, you know, waking up in the middle of night from soreness because I have some body dysmorphic goal or whatever. Um, yeah. And just trying to find balance and patience with, with my life. I'm glad you're feeling good. You look great. You went from, as you call it, red ass clickback, clickbait, <laughs> red ass clickbait phase. And then like, I think a week later, I'm like, how are you doing? And then you text me a photo. I'm like, girl, you're kind of glowing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you got the skin peel that anyone yeah. could ask for. Yeah. I was like, yeah. uh, what's your regimen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, let me tell you. <laughs> you can read all about it. Yeah. First, it starts with getting a very bad outbreak of yeah, monkey exactly. box, and then you're set. Yeah, you got it. Uh, my favorite is when you were telling me that your partner just wasn't thinking and when he got his monkeypox vaccine said oh you're so lucky you don't have to get the monkeypox vaccine because it's so itchy (laughs) you didn't have to get the vaccine (laughs) oh my god yeah classic classic michael (laughs) yeah and i I, i'll just say just really quickly i've gotten double monkeypox vaxxed so have you right don't you Mm-hmm. I got the old style yeah. and the new style. It was itchy. Yeah, it was itchy. It was swelling, but it was like um, great to just see the 
gay community get it together? And I, yeah. I think it started uh, a lot by what you did, Kevin, but like mm-hmm. gay men are like, we've been through this before. We've just been through yeah. COVID and yeah. we demanded that the government pay attention, we demanded that vaccines, uh, uh, get the vaccine situation together. So we've gotten it. I will say, please go get it if you have sex with men and um, you haven't gotten it yet. You can talk to your doctor or your local public health um, department. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was so, I felt so much pride. I was so proud of how the community mobilized and it, it was just beautiful to see um, us join together for something that was just so horrendous. It was so nice to like look at a chart after like years of COVID charts going up to see like an instant drop in San Francisco of cases. It was, it it was like a compressed thing, but it was within like weeks and it was glorious. It was glorious. I think there's still, it's much less now. I think a thousand cases in the last month. Look at me doing my research. I got my numbers. (laughs) (laughs) But I also love how like the the vaccine situation has become like, it, we was was how like the gay men did it in a certain way. Like we got in line, and, like we, we. I mean, I dressed kind of cute for the line. Yeah, and yeah. it was we, the we, hottest party. Everyone was hot in line. <laughs> I know everyone was like. I went to the one where people said it was more hot people, um, and uh, definitely a uh, tons of it's L.A. So de- definitely tons of OnlyFans performers like hugging each other, ready to get back to work, and um, this is everyone posting. Agenda. And like everyone posting on their social media like i've gotten it like yeah. oh, you can sleep with me now <laughs> you know? didn't you say when you were in line you saw people in like circuit outfits and stuff like that full-on like cut up tees with the, the nipple still showing right short <laughs> shorts i think hot like leather boots like from the, the vaccine line straight to the kink party <laughs> okay so we know that Monkeypox sucked. We came out of COVID or came through COVID into monkeypox. And, but you're in a better place now. We're all in a better place. But, you know, new topic as I let to do. You had a big milestone with your partner this year at Coachella. And in the words of the late and great Olivia Newton John, tell me more. We ended up proposing to one another. Um, it just, uh, we were supposed to go to Coachella uh, a while back with a lot of friends and then COVID happened. And so I think everybody was just ready to go. And at this point, you know, many of my friends are separated in different cities, Seattle, New York, LA. Um, so I think the criteria for my, uh, engagement proposal was just, I just wanted my friends there. So it felt like a really natural convergence point. Um, Tried it day one, wasn't successful. I was trying to be like just more casual or impromptu about it. I was like, okay, that didn't work. Um, and then the next morning I messaged 20, 30, 40 people and said, uh, I'm going to propose to Michael. It's going to happen here before 88 Rising and Disclosure because <laughs> everybody's <laughs> going to one of those too, right? Um, I think collectively that'll encompass most of our Gaitian friends. It's like 88 rising disclosure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I'm going to ask him to take a picture. Um, and uh, that's when it'll happen. And it was so great because 
I think when I got down on one knee and saw the video of it afterwards, I realized how many strangers were in the crowd mm -hmm. and just popping in and realized what was happening and joined in and were cheering and fell apart at this really special moment. Um, but it just felt, yeah, it just felt profoundly beautiful. Um, and that, was, that was like the, the prequel to monkeypox. <laughs> well, yeah. well, cheers to that. Cheers to your yeah, proposal. Yeah, I yeah, loved yeah. it. Cheers. cheers. I remember laugh crying so much during it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, why don't we yeah. each go through how our individual experiences of that proposal was, don't you? Oh, yeah. Tell I mean, me. I could start. I remember you did get the 88 Rising and Disclosure Gaijins. I went to Rina Sawayama and we, re we left right in the middle of the set. <laughs> and I was like, what am I going to remember before I die? Probably Kevin's proposal and not <laughs> Rina Sawayama. <laughs> and so I finally saw Rina Sawayama um, on Saturday, the full set. I'm like, oh, see, this is great. And I was like telling people the last one, I, had, I was at Coachella watching her set. And I left halfway to go to Kevin's proposal. Mm -hmm. And I had thought I missed it because everyone looked like they had been crying. But it was because it was so windy. Oh, it was allergies. <laughs> I mean, allergies oh. and acid. Allergies and acid. Oh my god, did I miss it? Because like everyone's eyes looked really red, like they've been crying. They're like, "Oh no!" Like Michael's not even here. I'm like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember, I I always see you like carry yourself so like confidently, and you weren't nervous. And I've never really seen that nervous side of you. And I thought it was just oh adorable. And yeah. It was it was a mixture of nerves and substances for sure. <laughs> nerves and substances. And yet, when you got on one knee and we all cheered and like little white girls, young people, straight people, like it was a huge crowd. If everyone's like Snapchat on, just taking this beautiful moment and yeah. um, and then we all just <laughs> we were all on like the substances as well, instantly bawling. Uh, One of my yeah, friends, or our yeah. friends, Adam, was inconsolable. <laughs> he was, remember, I had to hug him. He was like shivering. Crying. Oh my God. <laughs> he couldn't even, he was trying to tell, like, express what he was feeling, but he could not talk. <laughs> but he I was shivering. He because of the substances. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he couldn't talk. And he was shivering. I'm like, are you cold? He's like, no, I'm just, I'm just overwhelmed with emotion. Oh, so it was such a beautiful moment. Yeah. How is it for you, oh. don't you? Oh my God. I was trying to figure out when it was going to happen because it was between sets. And I was like, Oh my God, I have to pee. So I ran to the bathroom and I booked <laughs> it back. And I got back right as the circle right. was like forming. I was like, fucking thank the lordess and all i could see was like you getting on a knee and i was like trying to fumble for my camera i looked to my left and bow was crying i looked to my right and adam's crying and then and then <laughs> everyone's crying and i'm just like do i not have feelings no it's just because i just had to pee so bad <laughs> and, then, and then it really sank in it was really beautiful i got some good photos and videos and uh it was really sweet and then when your partner Michael proposed to you later, which was supposed to be a surprise. Mm -hmm. I did miss most of that one while I was in the bathroom. I booked it back and I got <laughs> I got there right as the circle was dispersing. I was like, oh no, my worst fear. Um I wanna I wanna talk about that proposal too because Val, you were a part of it. 
like the next day because we you know michael and i brought our rings to coachella and had planned to propose to one another but still managed to surprise each other completely um and i guess it was michael's plan during fred again set um because we're such a big fan to propose to me during the uh I, what is it i found you song mm-hmm. um and it just happened to be the first song. <laughs> so we're like, oh shit, it's happening, it's happening right now. Right? Oh my God, no, we were like, okay, he's like, it's this song. I'm like, okay, well, have you thought about what if he just started the set with that? Because it's a slower <laughs> song. And he was like, no, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to, I'll just let, he was like, my job is to let you know when the song comes on. And okay. then, and then, you know, it's, it starts knew. with like, what's that? What's the first few lines of the song? It's like, wait, I found you, we found you or something like or that. Like, in, yeah, this some, really in, in this something oh, place. Oh, in this smoking chaos. Smoking yeah. chaos. And I was like, yeah. I think this is it. And he's like, is it? We're like listening, trying to listen to it. Everyone's all loud. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, it, it could be any other track too, because this is how Fred, Fred again sounds. I'm like, yeah. And then, then you heard like in this smoking chaos. I'm like, it's it. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just, I turn around or you like tap me or something. You're like, hey, come here, come here. And then literally like your, I think your body moves out of the way. And all of a sudden Michael's down on one knee. I'm like, but it was so loud that and i didn't know this either like during both of our proposals neither of us could hear what each other was saying so we had to share that later yeah (laughs) yeah Uh, well congrats to you two on that um thank you and um another quick topic change so as long as i've known you i've just admired what an amazing artist you were and are um, and it's amazing for me to find out just in the last hour that you're self-taught. I thought you went to art school for some reason. Yeah, me too. I went to art school. I went to art school for the wrong thing. Um, and you know, when you're like a high schooler, you don't know the difference between, or a lot of people don't know the difference between graphic design, illustration, animation, fine art, unless you have parents that are of that background that are creatives or can connect you with someone in their their network to describe it to you or you have competent um advisors as a high schooler which you know i didn't go to any sort of like privileged or private school and so that's definitely not what i had and so i chose um yeah i went to uh uc irvine which the art program that they had was um, studio art, which meant fine art, gallery, academia, painting, sculpture, photography, nothing that was digital at all. Um, so to, to get into what I needed to, the comparison I kind of give it is sort of like, oh, I wanted to be, um, Say I wanted to be like a, a novelist or um, something more commercial or like a, 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 an entertainment screenwriter. And then I went to school for poetry, right? Mm-hmm. And so there are some things that are similar, but for the most part, it doesn't translate and you have to build your career in a different way. And um, so what's your relationship to your art now? So I actually have one of your pieces that I bought where yeah. you had a little shop online. I love this uh. one. And there's yeah. another one with cranes and I, yeah. Uh, or is, are, is it cranes? Is I just remember. It, yeah. Yeah. Cranes. Yep. Yeah. And is the shop still up on Etsy? Uh, it's not still up. So those are dead stock. <laughs> oh, okay. 
<laughs> yeah. I should, ooh, I should I should try to sell it. Like Yeah, for, yeah, I'll yeah. sign it and sell it and mark it up. Wait wait until <laughs> I get more famous. <laughs> yeah. The, the the Emeryville East Bay monkeypox man <laughs> drew these. <laughs> I, drew these before yeah. monkeypox. Yeah, yeah. Years before monkeypox. Yeah, wait till this podcast goes viral and then <laughs> Okay. Haven't we yeah. done enough virality at this point? Yeah, yeah, exactly. No more viruses, please. Uh, my my relationship to my art. Um, let's see. I've I've been really deep in as a professional illustrator, um, in a super kind of commercial capitalistic way for no, uh, you know, couple years now, and it's my other artist friends and I talk about this all the time where. Sometimes when you do something that you love creatively for work, you're using all the same muscles that you would use for yourself. So I have to think uh, intensely conceptually um, at work in my nine to five. Um, I have to uh, come up with new ideas, sketch, you know, so there's all these like technical things that I have to do as well that sometimes by the end of the day, it's really hard for me to draw or has been. And so there's actually a moment for maybe like a year, a year and a half where I re- rarely make personal art. But lately I've been keeping a sketchbook more and it's, it's nice. I just forgot, you know, and I think I'm just trying to mix up my priorities and switch it up a little bit in my life where I'm getting joy from CrossFit or also going on trips with my partner um, or being creative in different ways. Like try, I've been trying to recreate my grandma's recipes, um, mm. but, you know, gauge in health style. Like I'll make like oatmeal congee <laughs> or oh, make certain that. things. That are like, wow. Yeah, it's so mm-hmm. good. Um, yeah, yeah I've been you. making quinoa congee and it's amazing. Yeah. Wait, so can you both good. send me the recipes for that? Because I love congee. Yeah. yeah. But I didn't know you yeah, could do yeah. it with like quinoa or oatmeal. Yeah, I think, I think John Kong. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's great. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you are just rediscovering that relationship. I can totally relate to that given like I needed to like take a break from work because I'm currently on the mm-hmm. sabbatical now to really mm-hmm. have that all that come back. Um, and um, you know, when, when I finally go back to work, I don't know when that's going to be. wonder like how I'm going to healthily integrate some of those interests and those hobbies back into like, in, back into my life. Cause I, I did, I did lose sight of a lot of those interests for, I think almost over a decade. Yeah. I like love surrounding myself around other creative people because, you know, I grew up feeling creative, but not really like taking advantage of it in say a professional manner. You know, I used to want to be an actor, then I got into design and then they wow. drag. But then when it kind of um, started to wane, I loved having all of my creative friends like you all. And what I love to think about is that like artists tend to be much more introspective and mm-hmm. I love and have mental health issues, but that's what makes them so <laughs> creative. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I, I always joke, but it's not a joke at the same time that you, Kevin, helped me, uh, help introduce me to feelings. Mm-hmm. And when, when mm-hmm. I had always been a robot before, but you helped me kind of identify, talk about them and joke about them. And I love that about you. And I always will think about that. Yeah, and you're literally wearing a robot shirt right now. 
<laughs> are you? Uh-huh. Yeah. Little robots. Because I bought it when I was th- thinking how much of a robot I am. I don't like. T- I didn't like to think about what those feelings were. And now, you know, through my friendships with you all, through therapy, mm-hmm. I can put words to some of them, identify mm-hmm. them, and express them in a you know much more useful way than I used to. Uh, oh, and yes, just man. a side note: uh, tell us about what a Burning Man playa name is and what your oh, playa name is. At Burning Man, um, you can have a playa name and it's a name that someone gives you and you cannot give it to yourself. Um, and, and usually they're grounded from like an instance that happens or um, like, you know, a situation. And then suddenly someone says to you, oh, what if your name was this? Or I have the perfect name for you. Um, so my apply name is feelings, but <laughs> not, not for the reason that most people would assume, um, being an emotional person, it was because I, uh, I don't know if he was fully straight, but I, I, I had apply a date, um, which is something that our camp does where they match up two random people to spend like a half a day together or whatever. So. My play date was really handsome and we ended up kind of just biking around. And, and then when everybody collected at camp at the end of their play date, we filled out these kind of little questionnaires um, and said, you know, write your name, write the name of your play date, write something you learned. And I said, Oh, I learned, I was like, I learned that hot people have feelings too. And then you put it in a box and I thought that was the end of it. I was like, okay, we're good. Right. What I didn't realize was that we had a camp meeting right after and it was probably like 60 of us. I don't know. It was like, it was a good amount of people. And then our friend Cheney, <laughs> like serves up the box and picks one out and pro- he's about to read like literally like three, three of them. And he's like, oh, Kevin went on a play date with, and he learned that hot people have feelings too. It's <laughs> <laughs> like a mixture of like delayed registration, uncontrollable laughter, me in the back with my hands. <laughs> oh, it was the best was, moment. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> But then, you were there, right, Chris? I was there. Yeah, yeah we've been a, yeah. a couple together, and that's why I remember it so well. Yeah, and so my other friend Mateo went up to me after everybody finished laughing. <laughs> Just said, "I got it. You're you are going to be feelings, you know." <laughs> so yeah, that's where we're at now. <laughs> All right. So with that with that question, we're going to wrap up. Kevin, thanks so much for being a guest on our new podcast. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me and asking such thoughtful questions. Probably where can people find you on socials? I I stopped TikTok, so I don't have that. But my Instagram is at Studio Kwong. And you can follow our podcast at Literally Gaysians on Instagram and me at meetmesouthofmarket.gif on Insta. And I'm also on Insta at Bow Bow Bowser with a Z. 
And before we leave, we'd love to take listener questions. So if you need advice on something, DM us at LiterallyGaysians on Instagram and we'll put together a special episode and get some of our favorite guests back together to answer some of those questions. I'm technically still working and on the clock, so don't tell anyone. So we're just going to wrap. Thanks for listening, everyone. Until next time. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.